And we thank God that those who are saved will praise him evermore throughout all eternity. We trust that God will again bless that message to our hearts. And we thank our brother that brought it to us. Can we turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13? We'll read from verse uh, 33. Um, it is a chapter of parables, and we can't read them all, but we'll read from verse 33 uh, of the portion of Scripture. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, and beginning our reading at the 33rd verse. Another parable spake he unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter uh, things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Then Jesus went or sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto, the, unto treasure hid in a field, which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth, and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant, man seeking goodly pearls, who when he hath found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea, and gathered of every kind, which when it was full they drew to shore, and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world, the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Amen. We'll end our reading there, knowing the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word afresh. Can we unite together at the throne of grace in prayer, please? Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we do thank thee for our Savior tonight. We thank thee for the messages and song already brought to our hearts. We thank thee for our infinite Redeemer, and we thank thee for the one who has uh, redeemed us, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of a lamb 
without blemish and without spot. And Lord, we pray that even as we come to the end of the meeting, that thou would shut us in with thyself and bless thy word to our hearts. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. The 13th uh, chapter of the Gospel of Matthew is the, uh, the chapter of the parable. And you read there, you can see the list of the different parables that come one after another. And we read that they tell us all about something of the character of the kingdom of heaven. There are seven parables in the chapter, and each one of them conveys something different about the kingdom of heaven. And today I want to concentrate on the one that is uh, given to us in verses 45 and 46, the parable of the pearl of great price. Now, pearls in those days, as they are today, but even more so in ancient times, were greatly valued. The king of Persia is said to have uh, paid 600,000 lives for the sake of getting one pearl. I have an old book at home, and it said that Queen Cleopatra of, of Egypt at a feast in which she was uh, entertaining Mark Antony dissolved a pearl that was worth $375,000. Now, when you think that you could have bought a mansion in the day that that book was published for about £100, you can estimate how much $375,000 was in those days. And you can see how that there were merchants that went out and men that went out seeking for pearls. They would have gone from India to Britain right across the world seeking for pearls because it was a lucrative business. Caesar Augustus dedicated to Jupiter jewels and pearls that were worth millions of pounds. And it's interesting that the word that the Lord Jesus uses for the merchant here doesn't speak about a peddler, but the word is emperos, which from which we get our word emporium. And it speaks about a collector or a dealer of great wealth. He was a, 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 man, a, a skilled connoisseur who was going out to find these jewels. And we think of how he was looking for rare specimens. And we were told in the parable that he comes across a rare specimen, and it is called a goodly pearl. Now, the word goodly there is a word that can mean magnificent. And it must have been magnificent, because having been a dealer in pearls, this man finds a pearl that he is willing to give everything that he has. He's willing to sell all that he has and to get this pearl. He obviously uh, feels that if he can have this pearl and if he possesses this pearl, then it is going to give him the wealth that he needs. And so he sells all that he has in order to get the goodly pearl. And all of these uh, parables are about the kingdom of heaven. This is telling us something about the kingdom of heaven. And of course, that's something that each one of us should want to have knowledge about. We want to get into the kingdom of heaven. I hope, dear friend, that that is your ambition. That's what you want 
If you're wise tonight, if you're thinking rightly at all, you'll want to avoid what the Lord Jesus says here about the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. At the end of the day, dear friend, I think that we all, if we're wise, if we have any sense at all, will want to get into the kingdom of heaven. And so we want to think about what this parable is telling us about the kingdom of heaven. Now, in order to interpret the parable, what we need to do is compare Scripture with Scripture. You know, there are those that can, would say to you that you can draw anything out of the Bible, and in many ways you can if you take it out of context. But if you compare Scripture with Scripture, and if there is a hard passage or something that's hard to be understood, then what you need to do is interpret it by something that is easy to be understood. And there are many that misinterpret this parable. And there are many that twist this parable and get the wrong end of the stick as far as this parable is concerned. But what we want to do tonight is to compare Scripture with Scripture. We want to take the scriptural principles and we want to see what God has to say about the kingdom of heaven. We want to see what the Lord has to say about the way into the kingdom of heaven. And I think that there are things that we're going to learn tonight that maybe will astonish us. There are things that maybe will set us aback, wondrous things about the way of salvation and about what God is looking for when he is looking for sinners in this world. So, we want to take a look at this wonderful parable tonight, and we want to see the things that it says about the kingdom of heaven. It is my prayer tonight that you are part of the kingdom of heaven and that you come uh, to uh, take part in that kingdom that God has for those that love him. So let's look at what it says here in the two verses about the pearl of great price. And first of all, then, I want you to see the pursuer of the pearl. I want you to look there in verse 25. It speaks about the kingdom of heaven. But look at the text there in verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking uh, goodly pearls. And we see there that the merchant man is the one who is pursuing the pearls. Now, who's the merchant man? Well, this is where we need to interpret Scripture with Scripture because if you look down through all of the parables that are given there in this portion of Scripture, you will find that the main uh, pursuer or the main actor in every one of those, par of those parables is the Lord Jesus Christ. You look in verse uh, 25, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto... Uh, verse 45, he speaks there. But if you look at verse 24, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in the field. Who is that? Well, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't need to debate about that because uh, we uh, are given the Lord's interpretation of who that is. If you look at verse 37, it says, He answered and said unto them, 
he that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. So it is the Lord Jesus Christ who is the main actor in that parable. Go down to verse 37. Uh, you see the explanation. But if you look in verse 31, uh, you look at the parable of the mustard seed there. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Who's the one that is sowing the mustard seed? Again, it's the Lord. It's a picture of the Lord. Uh, we think of the parable of the treasure in the field. And who is it that goes and sells the field and buys the other field. Again, it is the Lord. This is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of Christ. And we say to you, why then, in all of these parables, the main actor is representative of the Lord. Why would it be any different in this parable? So the merchant man is the Lord. The merchant man, the one who goes out to seek the goodly pearl, is the Lord Jesus Christ. There are those that would interpret the parable by saying that the one who is seeking is the sinner. But the sinner doesn't seek. There is none, the Bible says there's none that seeketh after God. There are many in this world, but they are not seeking after God. They may be seeking for their own good. They may be seeking for their own wealth. They may be seeking for many things. But the sinner, in his natural condition, doesn't seek after God. Uh, but the Lord's seeking us. And that's the wonderful thing tonight. Dear sinner, the Lord is seeking for you. The Lord is looking for you. What did he say that he came to do? It says that the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. And I want you to think about our seeking Savior tonight. He seeks purposely. He seeks purposefully tonight. He seeks the sinner. We think of how in the Scriptures it speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, we are far from our God tonight. We're out on the mountains, wild and bare, away from the tender shepherd's care. And our sin has separated between us and our God. And so it is that the Lord must seek for us. We think of the great physician, the divine physician. And he's out seeking for the lost sheep. Oh, dear friend, in your sin you're lost. You're in a pitiful, sinful, wretched condition. You're willfully and wantonly rebelling against God. You're a lost traveler, lost for eternity. You're a lost creature, lost from the approval and the favor of your maker. You're outcast from God, lost, lost in your sin and your iniquity, lost in riotous living, lost in the sins of this old world. And dear friend, that is the condition of fallen man. You're lost, and so the Lord must seek for you and he seeks purposefully. He seeks here and there. And wherever you may be, dear friend, the Lord Jesus Christ will come and seek for you. But not only does he speak purposefully, but he seeks proficiently. He has done all that needs to be done to find us. He does all that is needed to free us from our lost 
condition. And we think of our lostness tonight, and we are lost spiritually before God. But the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, and he did all that needs to be done. He went to that cross and died there on that cross and paid every part of the debt that we owed. You see, the crime of sin has a penalty. And that penalty in the justice of God has to be met. There is a capital crime that has been done. And there's a capital sentence upon that crime. And there is one that has to pay the price. But our Savior was willing to take that death sentence and to go to the cross of Calvary. And he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. And there he hung between heaven and earth. And there he bore the wrath of God that was our due, poured out upon him. And he, he came to seek proficiently. He is able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by him. And he, those that come to him, he says, he will in no wise cast out. He seeks purposefully and proficiently. But dear friend, he seeks personally. He's seeking for you. You know, you think of that day when the Lord Jesus went into Jericho and there was a wee man that was up on a sycamore tree looking down to try and see if he could see the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember how the Lord went over to the tree purposefully, purposely went there and he cried, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. He spoke to him personally. He called him by name. And it's still the same today. The Lord Jesus Christ seeking you. Seeking you individually. Seeking you personally. Jacob wasn't looking for God. He was on the run. But God came and sought for him at Bethel. Uh, we think of how uh, the, the Moses wasn't seeking for God. And yet he met the Lord there in that desert place out in the burning bush. And dear friend, you're not seeking God, but God is seeking for you. Uh, you, you, you do not know what it is to seek God. But dear friend, the Lord is seeking for you out in the desert, seeking, seeking. And he is seeking for you, dear friend, tonight. I once heard a, a story about a man who wanted to know what it meant to seek God. And so his teacher brought him out uh, to the river, and he held his head onto the river for a good long time, and then he lifted him up, and he said, uh, when you seek for God the way you're seeking for breath, uh, then you'll know what it is to seek for God. Well, it was a very dramatic way to teach the man a lesson, but you know, we should be looking for God as we look for our native breath. Oh, dear friend, thank God that while we're not seeking for God like that, and many of us, uh, we would lament the fact that we're not seeking God, yet God is seeking for you and for me. So we see the person of the seeker. But then secondly, I want you to see the preciousness of the pearl. Because this is the dramatic thing. This is the wonderful thing. Because if the Lord Jesus Christ is the seeker, 
And now, we said there are many that would interpret the parable as the sinner being the seeker and that the Lord Jesus Christ is the thing that they seek for. But we have said that in the parable, always the Lord is the one that is doing uh, the, uh, the acting. We know that men don't seek God. There's none that seeketh after God. And therefore, we see that the Lord Jesus Christ is the seeker. But if the Lord Jesus Christ is the seeker, what is the pearl? Well, the pearl is his church. The pearl is his people. Now, you think about that. We think of how the Lord Jesus Christ is counting us. He's counting his people here as a goodly pearl, one for whom everything is given. We uh, realize that today pearls were created by cultivation. You can create pearls, but in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ, it was only natural pearls. And so these hunters and these merchants went out everywhere, opening thousands of oysters before one uh, finding one sought after treasure. And they were, as we said, very valuable. That's why the Apostle Paul uh, in 1 Timothy 2 verse 9 uh, speaks about women who wore pearls when they went to worship and he speaks of them dressing extravagantly and that's why because this, this was beyond wealth this was an, a, a real expression of wealth in those days but here is this thing that we'd hardly think about that we sinners are create, counted then as this goodly pearl, the one for whom, those for whom the Lord gives everything. And we think of that verse that, that the Lord was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. And I want you to think about the pearl then. We who are his people, are the pearls. And I want you to think about the development of the pearl. You see, the pearl is unlike other precious stones. The pearl is formed by a living organism. And you think about how the pearl is formed, a little grain of sand or uh, a little bit of bone or some foreign object or speck of dust gets into the oyster, and the uh, oyster... It re responds to the iteration of the grain or the dirt, and the oyster is uncomfortable, and it's hurting, and therefore begins to cover over the dirt or the uh, bit of rubbish or the, the, the speck of dust, begins to cover it over with the mother of pearl so that it makes itself more comfortable. And this beautiful white pearl then is formed. So what is the pearl? Well, it is formed out of rubbish. It's formed out of dirt. Isn't now what the church of Christ is formed out of? Those that are dirty, guilty, hell, deserving sinners. That's what we are. We're the lowest of the low, despised and rejected in many ways. We are those that are in the horrible pit and in the miry clay and sinking down day by day. But what has happened? We're covered over. We're covered over in the precious blood of Christ, just as the pearl is covered over. The old dirt is covered over, and it's no longer seen. 
but is covered over by something that's infinitely precious. So it is with the child of God. The old dirt has been dealt with. The old dirt has been covered. Uh, we are covered over in the blood of righteousness that our, uh, the robe of righteousness our Father gave to us. And dear friend, I hope tonight that your sin is covered over. In order to be precious in the sight of God, your sin, the old dirt, has to be covered over. And unless it's covered over, all you are is a, an irritation to God. All you are is, as it were, hurting God, grieving God. That's all you are. But, oh, dear friend, thank God for the fact that we're covered over by the precious blood of Christ. But not only do we think of the development of the pearl, but the distinction of the pearl, because the pearl is counted precious. That original speck of dirt there, uh, all has been covered over, and now it's counted precious. And I want you to think about how the Lord counts men and women of infinite value. Thank God for the church of Christ. You think of the names that are given to those that are saved. Elsewhere, we're called kings and priests unto our God. In Revelation 21 and 2, it says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And men and women, when we think of the price that was paid there on the center cross of Calvary, the price of our redemption, oh, how precious the Lord counts us to be. Oh, what a wonderful thing it is that the Lord has done for us. We read in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 17, And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. We're among the jewels of the Lord Jesus Christ. But think too of the discovery of the pearl. You see, the pearl had to be discovered and brought out. Uh, so the merchant here has to purchase it. And it says in verse 46, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And you think of how our Savior gave all that he had. He went to death. He left the realms of glory. And he left aside the splendor and he left aside the glory, and he came into this sin-cursed scene of time. And then he went all, he was despised and rejected of men, and a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And then he went to death itself. He gave all that he had in many ways in order that we might be saved. And you remember what? He cried on the cross, it is finished. And that also can mean in the Greek, paid in full. Paid in full. He paid the full price of my redemption. And I wonder tonight, can you despise that? Can you, can you just pass that over? Can, can you think nothing of what our Savior did there in dying on the cross for our salvation? We see here, something of the preciousness of the pearl. But then I want you to think of the purpose of the pearl. What is the pearl to do? 
Well, we think of the pearl. It was taken by its owner. It was uh, counted to be a precious thing. And it was to give glory to the owner. It was to beautify the owner. It was to bring glory to the old owner. It was, as it were, to be shown off by the, o- the owner. And I want you to think of what we are to be when we are brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to glorify his name. We're to beautify the Lord Jesus Christ by our testimony and what we do. And I want you to think about the setting of the pearl. Now, the pearl would have been taken here and it would have been put in a a precious setting. It would have been put into a suitable setting. And I want you to think about the setting that the Lord's church will be put into and will be in. The pearl here is going to have a wonderful setting. And we read about how that day when the Lord Jesus Christ will come in Revelation 21 and 2 as the bride of Christ, and there will be the new Jerusalem, and we will be set in that place of glory and splendor. We will be put in that setting of uh, riches and glory, and uh, we will be put in that setting of that place where there's no crying or tears, no more parting, no more uh, anxiety. Dear friend, we think of that place, and it's a, a real place, as Belfast, as Crossgar in Northern Ireland is a real place. This is a real place. Oh, dear friend, we think of that uh, new Jerusalem. The Bible says, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man, the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. And we think of the uh, wonder of that place, 12, the, the city hath foundations, 12 foundations, named after the 12 apostles, the 12 gates, named after the 12 tribes of Israel. 12 in the Bible speaks of government. Uh, you have the 12 uh, months of the year, 12 signs of the zodiac. And this is a real place with real government, and it will be a wonderful setting. Oh, dear friend, will you be in that wonderful setting, that wonderful place? The gates, of course, are of one large pearl, and I think that really that speaks to the unity of the people of God as one. And speaking of the pearl of great price, I think here in that place, my, what a wonderful setting. Heaven's not pie in the sky. Heaven is not where you sit on on cloud nine and uh, strum your heart and uh, uh, harp and under shade trees. Heaven's a real place. All our tears are wiped away. What a setting. And I hope that you're going to that place. But not only do I see the setting of the pearl, but I think of the role of the pearl. The role of the pearl is to enhance the beauty and draw attention to the beauty of the wearer. And isn't that what we are designed for? We are to glorify God. We are to exalt God. We are to bring glory to the name of God. And then we think of the perfection of the pearl because the pearl will be taken and it will be cleaned and it will be uh, brought, the sparkle will be brought out and it will be enhanced in every way. And so the Lord takes his people and he makes us perfect. We're not perfect in this world, 
We're very far from perfect. But one day he'll present them to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, and we'll be holy and without blemish before him in, in love. And the pearl, it cannot be cut. It cannot be divided. A pearl can't be improved upon in any way, and so is the true church. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. And what a wonderful thing we think of that wonderful purpose in that wonderful setting that we have at the end of the day. But one more thing I want you to think about the procurement of the pearl. Because I want you to see that the pearl is of no use until it's found. The pearl is of no use if it's hidden in obscurity, if it's still in the depths of the sea, in the oyster. It's, it's, it's no use until it's discovered by the merchant man, until it's brought out and put in its proper place and its beauty is displayed. Dear friend, wherever you may be, you need to be found by the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to be brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. The pearl needs to be found. Dear friend, you're away from God today. You're outside of the family and fold of God, away on the mountains, wild and bare. Dear friend, isn't it about time that you came into the very presence of God, you became part of the family of God, that you came into the possession of the godly merchant man, the divine merchant man, that you were put in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're out of his hands today. But oh, dear friend, if you're going to be of use, if you're going to be of value, you've got to be in the hands of the merchant man. Are you in the Lord's hands? Or you're in the devil's hands tonight? Oh, you need to be in the hands of the godly merchant man. You've got to be in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ if you're going to be of any value whatsoever. Will you not come tonight? Will you not trust him? Will you not call upon him for salvation and for mercy? We're praying tonight that you'll come and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. And if you're outside of Christ tonight, then come and be part of that valuable uh, uh, retinue that the Lord Jesus Christ has. And may you come and be put in the hands of the godly divine merchant man tonight. Our loving God and our Father, we do thank thee for the divine merchant man who came to seek and to save that which was lost. And our Father, we thank thee tonight that thou dost draw sinners to thyself, and we thank thee that thou dost value us so much that thou dost leave the realms of glory and come to be our Redeemer and our Savior and go to death, even the death of the cross. Write thy word upon hearts now and draw sinners to thyself. For it's in Jesus' precious name I would ask these things. Amen. Amen. Can we uh, turn to that last hymn there?
On the board, 283, I think it is there, 283. It was Jesus, my Savior, who died on the tree to open a fountain for sinners like me. His blood is that fountain which pardon bestows and cleanses the foulest wherever it flows. We'll sing the first and the uh, fourth verses of this hymn, verses one and four, and we'll stand as we sing. God and our gracious Father in heaven, we pray that thou wouldst write thy word upon hearts this evening, and bless it to us, part us in thy fear, and with thy blessing now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with thy people both now and in the incoming days, for Jesus' sake, amen.